Welcome to the Doubles Only Tennis Podcast, where you learn the best doubles strategies to improve your game and win more matches. I'm your host, Will Bocek. This podcast, my website, and my weekly newsletter all focus on the goal of better understanding the sport of doubles and helping players like you improve faster through actionable advice that you can use in your very next match. My goal is to provide the best doubles strategy resources in the world. And to do that, I study, analyze, and work with players at every level of the game, all the way up to the ATP and WTA tours. If you enjoy this podcast, I've created double strategy products that go even deeper if you want to take your doubles knowledge to the next level. At the end of this episode, I'll explain more about them, or if you want to learn more now, go to thetennistribe.com slash products. Here's today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Today we are going to cover three lessons that I learned from mixed doubles sectionals a few weeks ago. So these lessons aren't uh, necessarily only for mixed doubles. You can use them in men's and women's doubles, but uh, my 9-0 team from here in Fort Worth made uh, sectionals uh, for the state of Texas and we traveled to Abilene and played in the mixed double sectionals. And there's a few lessons that I I just kind of wanted to um, share with you that I took away from that experience. But before we get to those lessons, a few quick announcements. Uh, Number one, um, just thank you for all the listeners, uh, for all your support over the last um, year or two or however long you've been listening. Uh, We just in September had a record month for the podcast uh, last Wednesday when we released the episode with Rajiv Ram, uh, which was a great interview, by the way. I highly recommend uh, listening to that. Um, it was a record day for the podcast in terms of downloads. It was the first time we hit over 1,000 downloads in a day. So thank you all for spreading the word. Uh, if you want to support even further, you can leave a review on uh, Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast, if there's a review platform, um, any Uh, Good reviews definitely help the show, um, as well as spreading the word. Uh, I've mentioned in the past, I don't uh, really like ads, so we don't have advertisers on the podcast. I have had uh, companies reach out and ask to advertise on the podcast, and I just, I really just don't want to do it. Um, But instead, uh, I do want to promote my own products a little bit and help you uh, get a better and better understanding of how to improve your doubles game. So if the podcast is enough for you, that's great. Um, If you can leave a review or something like that. If you want more, you can always uh, look on our website, thetennistribe.com slash products and purchase uh, any of the eBooks or the 25 Winning Tactics course or um, future courses that will be coming up here over the next several months. So Um, Again, thank you all for the support, regardless of how you're able to support. Uh, I really do appreciate it. So let's dive into three lessons from mixed doubles sectional. So number one is on return sides. This is a topic that I've thought a lot about recently, uh, primarily because I did a podcast episode on this a few months ago. We released a few of those videos um, or little clips from the podcast on Instagram, and there was a lot of of comments, a lot of people disagreeing with the particular section on the stronger player should return from the ad side. Um, I personally don't think that that's always true, 
Uh, I've actually got a YouTube video coming out on that, I believe, this week, uh, where I dive into it a little bit more with the whiteboard. Uh, But one thing I noticed with one of our teams, we were warming up on day one. And it's not ideal to have uh, a partnership that is new at sectionals. Uh, We didn't want to do that, but we had somebody um, who had to drop out last minute, which was unfortunate, but you know, it's, it's adult tennis, so there's only so much we can do. So uh, we had a 4-5, four, 4-5 five, four, five combo who had never played together. And they were trying to figure out which side to return on. And while they were warming up, uh, I wasn't playing in this match, but I was just kind of walking around chatting with people. And uh, they asked me, you know, what side do you think we should return on? So the 4-5 girl, she prefers her forehand, and she prefers to uh, return from the deuce court. So the guy actually likes his backhand better. He has a really strong backhand. Uh, his forehand's solid, but not as good as his backhand. And he prefers to return from the ad court, hitting backhand returns cross court. So that makes sense. So, uh, But what I said is, is y'all might want to actually flip that so that you have your strengths in the middle. So if he has his backhand in the middle, you have your forehand in the middle. I was, I was talking to our 4-5 lady uh, in this scenario then you all have your strengths in the middle. So once the point gets going, uh, you will be able to control the middle of the court, which which we know is the most important area of the court to control. So uh, they talked it out. They decided against it. Uh, so the 4-5 uh, lady returned from the deuce court. The guy returned from the ad court. They lost the first set. I think it was 6-3. And they flipped it in the second set. And they turned the match around returning with their strengths from the middle. And they won the second set, 6-3, and then uh, ultimately lost a tight uh, 10-point tiebreaker. But they were able to flip the match around, and, and I talked to them after, and they said, you know, they kind of agreed that if they had done that the whole match, that they they probably would have won. Um, it obviously worked out a little bit better for them. So w- what's the lesson here? Should we return so that once the point gets going, our strengths are in the middle, or should we return uh, from the side we're more comfortable returning on? So it it really depends. And this is one of the kind of nuances of doubles. One of the things that uh, we have to constantly be weighing our different options and the different risks. So with the guy returning from the deuce court where he doesn't like to return as much, it wasn't like he's missing a bunch of returns. It just meant his return wasn't quite as strong because he wasn't able to hit that backhand cross court across his body, which he likes to do, and he likes to return in volley. But he was still making most of the returns. So even if he was hitting a little bit weaker return from the deuce court, if the serve team had a a strong serve plus one, it's likely to come through the middle anyways. And now Uh, our team has their strengths in the middle. So in this situation, their returns weren't so bad that uh, they had to return from a specific side. Instead, it was better for them, it turns out, to return with their strengths in the middle, even though their returns themselves were going to be slightly less effective. Because once the point got going, their strengths in the middle proved to be Uh, a little bit more important. So you have to weigh this against each other. Now, if it had been the case where uh, the the guy or the girl just simply couldn't make a return from the other court, well, in that case, they probably should have stayed 
uh, with the guy and the add cord and the girl and the deuce cord. But in this case, they were still able to make the returns. They just weren't quite as strong. Uh, and then once that point got going, strengths in the middle uh, turned out to work for them. So think about that next time you're out there uh, choosing return sides. Don't just assume because you return better from one side, you should be on that side. Also consider, you know, what is my strength and how can I get it in the middle of the court? Uh, and same for my partner. Now, if you're both right-handed and you both like your forehand, then it's a little bit different. Um, maybe you prioritize returns in that case, but um, just, you know, something else to think about other than where am I comfortable returning? It's it's such a, a complex topic. Again, I've got a YouTube video coming out uh, on it soon with everything you want to consider when choosing return sides, but I wanted to use this example to kind of highlight um, just some of the, the kind of nuance, like I said, and complexity of, of choosing this. Uh, it's not as simple as the stronger player in the ad court or uh, you know, I like my forehand better, so I'm going to return from the deuce side. Uh, there's a lot more going on than just that. The second lesson I wanted to share with you, this is something I've also kind of touched on recently, is adjusting your return position based on two factors. One, the wind, and two, the difference between your opponent's first and second serves. So, if the wind is into you, you probably need a backup, especially against the first serve. So this happened with my partner and I. We were playing a 5-0 guy, 4-0 girl. The 5-0 guy had a really big serve, and he was serving with the wind. So the wind was into us. So he already has a big serve, so we need to buy ourselves some time. But with the wind behind him, it got to us even faster. So we had to take several steps back to just buy ourselves some time and really defend against his first serve. I found it worked pretty well for me. I was able to take a little bit bigger swing from uh, pretty far back behind the baseline. The girl in this case did not really poach, so I could just take a big cut, rip it cross court, uh, and try to get it down to his feet um, since he was a serve and volley player. And then uh, for my partner, I had... Um, you know, I asked her to try stepping back a little bit more as well, uh, and it worked a little bit better for her also. And then in another match where I was watching uh, from the sidelines, there was a girl who had a, a pretty big first serve, but then a very weak kind of short second serve. And I was watching a few of the players not adjust their return position between the first and second serve. So they were standing uh, just behind the baseline on the first serve, if the first serve didn't go in, they stayed just behind the baseline, and then the second serve would come over, and it would bounce, it would hit its apex, and then it would drop, and the returner would end up running forward and having to lift the ball up from their knees or their ankles from a really low position. Whereas if they had simply just stepped forward after the first serve was missed, they could have hit that ball at the apex, at the top of its it's kind of arc after it bounces uh, and really been on offense there. But instead, they're running forward. They're having to lift the ball up from down low, and they're in a defensive position, even though the player did not have a very strong second serve. So you really want to think about that um, kind of mile per hour difference in the strength between first and second serve and step forward. If you find yourself having to run forward to get to that, uh, then you should go ahead and step forward uh, next time they miss that first serve so that you can really make them pay for not having a super strong second serve. Um, you really want to be on offense in that scenario. 
So that's lesson number two, adjust your return position based on the wind, based on the difference between the opponent's first and second serve. Lesson number three, this is a tactic that my partner and I used. So uh, I'm a 5-0, I'm playing with a 4-0 lady. She's a left-handed player. She likes her forehand volley. She doesn't like her backhand volley. So this was something that I was kind of hesitant to do. Uh, I'm glad we did, but there's a few adjustments that I would make, um, which I'll talk about here in a second. But because she doesn't like her backhand volley and she's a lefty, we decided to try out, this was in a practice match, so I'd encourage you to do this in a practice match before uh, the matches that do count. Um, But we decided to try out Australian formation in the deuce court. So what that means is her backhand volley was uh, over to her right in the deuce court in the kind of doubles alley. Um, So this totally exposed the down the line return. We're trying to force the uh, deuce court returner to return down the line. And then that meant I had to hit my serve and then shift over to the left to cover the line. Now, this does a few things. So it it hides a weakness, which is her uh, backhand volley. It exposes a strength, which is her forehand volley, um, which worked out in a lot of scenarios. But it also exposes a weakness for me because if they hit a good return down the line, I'm hitting a backhand ground stroke for my serve plus one shot. And that is probably my least favorite shot on the court. I'd rather hit a forehand volley, backhand volley, uh, overhead, obviously, forehand ground stroke. Yeah, backhand ground stroke is, is going to be my last, uh, the last shot that I want to be hitting. So we had to kind of determine, and again, this this kind of goes back to lesson number one from, from this episode, um, the return sides. You have to determine what which one weighs or outweighs the other. So is it more important to hide her backhand volley, expose her forehand uh, volley, or hide my backhand ground stroke. And and we determined that it was more important to uh, hide her backhand volley because for the most part, I was quick enough to run around my backhand, assuming they didn't hit a super hard return. So I could serve, shift to my left as quickly as possible. And I was able to get enough forehands. And at least if they did hit to my backhand, I could just kind of bunt it down the line. And then from there, I could hit run around uh, forehands from the ad cord. So we determined that it was more important to do that. And, and this also, another thing this did is it forced the opponent to hit at me because now they couldn't target her at the net uh, because she had her forehand volley in the middle. And if they tried to hit that really sharp angled or backhand volley, it was a very low percentage shot, especially trying to redirect a ball off of one of my forehands, um, which is going to be uh, you know, I was trying to focus on keeping it deep in the court, hitting it really heavy uh, to make it difficult for them to redirect at her. So again, you have to weigh all of these different factors against each other to figure out what is the best scenario for you. So there are a few things I would have changed. Uh, we did lose both matches we played. Um, one thing that I do like to do, um, this is a little bit of I guess ego getting involved, but I do like to look at uh, UTR after uh, I play in a lot of these USTA matches because I want to see the the relative strength of each player on the court. Uh, in both matches, the combined UTR of the other team was higher than ours, which I didn't find super surprising. One of them was a it looked like a recent college player or maybe a, a current 
college player. He was pretty young. Um, so anyways, that's, uh, one way to kind of figure out your relative, uh, strength and weakness. Cause the USTA scale is a little bit, um, uh, a little bit congested, I guess. UTR, obviously it goes up to, to 16 or 17 or something like that. So, um, anyways, uh, another negative that I had in this scenario was I double faulted a little bit more than I did at a regular formation because I, I was trying to serve and shift to my left as quickly as possible to uh, to avoid a backhand ground stroke. So um, ultimately that I feel like outweighed some of the benefit of using that Australian formation in the deuce court. Uh, so one thing I would have changed is I think I would have used it a little bit less often. Uh, we actually, I think we used it every single time I served at the deuce court. And, you know, that's not following one of my own rules, which is always be using variety in doubles. Um, I, I felt like I just wanted to avoid uh, the opponent being able to redirect the ball at my partner's backhand volley at all costs. And I ultimately had to win that down the line rally every time. And it, it worked out some, uh, especially when I was able to land a first serve, but I did double fault a little bit more than I normally do because you know I'm, I'm hitting that serve and knowing I have to really get over to the left. So I felt like I was leaning a little bit to the left more so uh, than I normally would, even though I knew that and I was trying to prioritize you know landing the serve and be balanced and then worry about getting over there. It still um, kind of was in my head a bit and, and I feel like I double faulted a bit too much. Uh, and then the last thing, I already mentioned variety is really important, uh, especially for the serve team. You don't want to be giving the returner the same look every time. And we did that. Um, we used Australian in the deuce court on my serve every single time. And I didn't get broken a ton, but I got broken enough to where I, I think it mattered. So I, I would make those two adjustments going forward. Um, so this, you know, these lessons are, are partly for me. That's part of the reason I record these episodes because I, I want to kind of remember, uh, these lessons so that next time I make it, I, I can improve, uh, and continue to, uh, to get better and problem solve with my partner. So hopefully this helped you, uh, think about on the court, you know, some of the nuances of doubles, some of the complexities of doubles, and it's not always clear, um, what solution is best, but you want to be constantly kind of experimenting and trying different things out. Uh, and, and don't assume anything is correct. Constantly be questioning your strategy, constantly be questioning your return side, your formations, and so on. So hopefully this helped. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me, will at the tennis tribe.com. And uh, if you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, purchase a course, purchase an ebook. Um, it is a great way to support the show because, like I said, we do not like advertisers uh, on the podcast, and I'm trying to avoid them if I can. So, thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for all the support, and I will talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Doubles Only Podcast. If you're interested in diving deeper into any topics I discuss, I've created double strategy products that allow me to bring you more podcasts and other doubles content without relying on paid ads. I have ebooks and courses that help you make better strategic decisions during matches and become the smartest player on the court. Go to thetennistribe.com slash products to learn more. You can also join my free weekly double strategy newsletter that includes video lessons 
and more on our homepage. If you want to connect, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email me directly, will at vtennistribe.com.